Here's the snap, four-man rush, firing downfield, and got a man! Rock and roll! Touchdown, Texans! Game day is every day. Yeah, nice ball, nice ball! Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. There's a sack! Wow! Bringing down the cornerback. Now, it's Texans All-Access. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access, and we are less than 24 hours away from knowing what the initial 53 is going to look like on this football squad. I'm John Harris, your host, joined by Mark Vandermeer, who I hope is on the other side of this glass, Mark. Yes. Yes. Very, very nice. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had a couple of disjointed shows, uh, but that's okay. We get it done, no questions asked. We're here from Andre Ware. Uh, we talked to him a little bit. He had something to say that struck me uh, because I've been thinking about this today. He was talking about Sam Howell from the University of North Carolina, and he said something very interesting. Uh, so we're going to hear from Andre Ware in a little bit. But, Mark, we've got a little bit of news. We have not seen the cavalcade of news, I thought, or that we thought we would see. Mm-hmm. But we've heard two players waived slashed injured, one player coming back, that being Laramie Tunsil. That was great news. Uh, but we haven't seen kind of this big – I thought we would see more of it, that we would see more players uh, on Twitter – you know, with uh, thoughts of, hey, thanks, Houston, you know, moving on, or it didn't work this time, Houston, but I'm moving on, or whatever the case might be. Haven't seen a lot of that, haven't gotten a lot of reports. But what we do know is that linebacker Tate Davis and defensive back Cornell Armstrong both waived slash injured. Now, if you were wondering, okay, what is the exactly the designation? The designation of a lot of these things actually matters. Certain veterans will be released, which means they're not subject to waivers. When you say they're waived, it does mean that they are subject to waiver claims, so a team can claim that. But seeing as though they are injured, waived injured, they would more than likely have to revert to uh, the injury list wherever they're going to end up going. A lot of times those guys get all the way through waivers, and then they go back to the IR, or in some cases they get an injury settlement, and then they're off on their own. So Tay Davis, Cornell Armstrong, waived slashed injured. Mark, any any surprise with those two at all? I know they're injured, so that kind of maybe makes the decision a little bit easier. But those two being waived, your thoughts? Well, what I'm watching very closely here, Johnny, as the play-by-play person, is the number 55 that Tate Davis was wearing that Bernardrick McKinney used to wear. Is that going to end up on another player's body when the games get rolling for real? Is there somebody on the roster right now who would prefer number 55, but Tate Davis somehow got here before he did, so he picked it up? These developments will be revealed later, okay? The answers to these questions... But seriously, look, uh, I don't think anybody's surprised with either of these so far. We have a whole lot more coming, and I mentioned it in the offseason. They have linebackers for days. It's not like Tate Davis didn't do well for them, but not well enough to crack whatever their first group is going to be. And in a 4-3, 6, 7 guys, I don't know what the number is going to be, Johnny, but, man, I want as many as possible on that D-line to be kept and then you start talking linebackers, that gets a little dicey as well. But you don't have to think of Whitney as a linebacker or Jacob Martin as a linebacker because they're not. They're defensive linemen in this defense. So it changes the equation a little bit. You know, you look at Kamu Grugier-Hill. Obviously, you look at Christian Kirksey, Zach Cunningham. You know, all these are front-line type guys. KPL, Kevin Pierre-Lewis. These guys are in really good shape. Garrett Wallow, who they just drafted, I'm not sure what's going to happen with him. Looks like he belongs when he's out there, but he's not out there with the ones in these preseason affairs. So we've got a long way to go, but it's going to happen in a short time. Is that kind of a Yogi Berra thing? A long way to go, it's going to happen in a short period of time because, as you said, it's tomorrow afternoon where you're going to cut down to the 53 and reports are going to start flying out the door. I thought they would fly up by now. You know, I saw some guys walking around the service level Maybe a few going into the doors that ultimately can head upstairs. And I thought, oh, there they go. But mm, we haven't heard too much yet. So we'll see what the timing is. They do practice midday tomorrow. And here's what you have to wonder. In that practice session, is it going to be a, quote, full squad, meaning guys that you might release after practice practicing? 
or are they going to make their moves in the morning and get down to the number before they have that midday practice tomorrow? I am anxious to see that. Yeah, because when you're out of practice, a lot of times that's when you get the – I remember Jordan Vesey, I think it was second or third day. I'm looking around going, huh, who's 84? Now, we had not gotten a transaction notice. Mm-hmm. But we knew somebody had been added because, well, there he is in the flesh. Well, it can go the other way, too, and that is, hey, where's this guy? Where's that guy? And immediately your mind just starts racing for, you know, what what it could end up uh, being. I, you mentioned changing numbers. I've been thinking about this for a while because we've talked about the defensive line, and we know the defensive line is going to end up probably being more than likely going to end up being the toughest cut. And so as I've watched kind of the defensive line, I'm like, yo, who's going to get cut from the defensive line so that Roy Lopez doesn't have to wear 79 anymore? You know, can we get Roy out of mm-hmm. 79? It just doesn't, it doesn't look right. Like the other night, I don't know, I don't know if you noticed this, Mark. I, 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 sometimes you know I noticed some weird things, but the Bucks had a defensive lineman by the name of Patrick O'Connor. And I remember that distinctly because that was one of the smartest students I ever had. Not that guy, but a guy that I, I taught by the name of Patrick O'Connor. I think he wrote a 1600 in the SAT he would basically sleep through my class, and then he could recall every single word I said. He was amazing. Anyhow, so I remember the name Patrick O'Connor. Well, he was wearing 79, and I watched him against the Titans. I thought, this guy's pretty, this guy's pretty athletic. He was running down on kickoff coverage as a defensive mm. lineman wearing number 79. I was like, man, is there something I missed about the number 79? Like, is that for you know defensive linemen that are athletes? Because that dude was definitely an athlete, and we know Roy is an athlete. And so that got me thinking about the defensive line. I think, and we've talked about this, we think the defensive line is the toughest cut. We talked to a few of our luminaries this morning on Texas Monday, and I'm not exactly sure who it was that said it, but they said running back is the next most difficult cut. Agree or disagree with that? I think, and let me get to that in a second here because we do have semi-breaking news here as we're on live and here from the Hyundai Texans radio studio. The Dolphins, Ian Rappaport tweeted this, are releasing Bernardrick McKinney. So the interesting thing is you have the Shaq Lawson trade to Miami for Bernardrick McKinney. Lawson ends up traded. McKinney ends up released. So, all right, I guess uh, that was a transaction that didn't work out for either team. Texans get a sixth rounder out of the deal, and everybody on with your day. So McKinney is now a free agent once again. Thoughts? Interesting. Yeah. I, he, okay, well, here's the thing with the Shaq Lawson trade. We kind of we kind of talked about this a little bit. We did. And uh, this morning, and I don't know if we went too far into it, but now knowing that Bernardrick, more than likely Bernardrick was going to be waived here when he was with the Texans. He was going to be waived, and you go on your merry way. So both teams end up getting a look see at a guy that potentially could have been a fit. Turns out it's not going to end up being right for either squad. For the Texans, I think the I think with Shaq back in March they adjusted his contract and and I think that's what's creating a little bit. Of, that's what's creating dead money. I, I looked at it this way. Sometimes if you if you net things out and kind of take a step back and you because I know this happened a lot with the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Oh, Hopkins for David Johnson. I was like, no, listen. It was not just that. You obviously had the opportunity to draft Ross Blacklock, but because you also had that additional second-round pick, you were able to deal it to get Brandon Cooks. So if you look at Hopkins for David Johnson, Ross Blacklock, and Brandon Cooks, that's not always the best way to look at it, but in some way you sort of have to look at it that way. I'm like, okay, well, that looks, that, that, it looks a little better. Well, if you look at this as, you know what, the Texans were gonna re- more than likely going to release Bernardrick McKinney anyways. So they essentially, I don't know if you want to look at it this way, they essentially bought a draft pick for probably a little bit more than you would spend for a six-round draft pick is in essence what they've done. Is that something, is that, mm-hmm. is that the business you want to do every single time? No, and I guarantee Nick, Nick Casario would not uh, would tell you that's, that's not the way they want to do business every time. But if you salvage things in some sense by realizing this isn't right, let's move on, as opposed to, well, we know this isn't right, but let's let it drag on. That's when things end up being an issue. But you knew it's, you knew it was an issue. You knew the Jets needed a defensive end or a rusher, an edge rusher of some sort, because of Carl Carl Lawson being hurt. No, Shaq Lawson's going to be no Carl Lawson. I can promise you that. But you can 
you can get if you can get something out of that, knowing full well, look, Shaq has not been the best performing defensive end uh, edge rusher on your squad. There's and it's been very clear. Can we get something for him? And they were able to. And so you kind of kind of cut your losses. You know, Dolphins probably looked at the same and said, "Hey, eh, this didn't really work for us. So let's move on." So. Um, you know, I hate to say this about BMAC because I, I love him. I love everything that he's about when it comes to football. But this game, from the time he got in the league, over those six years, he got in 2015. When he came in the league, teams were still running 21 personnel. They were still running two backs. They were running even 12, you know, heavy 12 personnel. The game really hadn't kind of taken to the airwaves and really become the space game it's become. And that's when Bernardrick went from being a really valuable piece that you really needed to stop the run in certain places to, okay, this is a space game, and this is not the type of game that Bernardrick plays and, and plays very well. So it it's not too surprising that down in Miami they kind of saw some of the same things that were holding him up uh, here um, as far as being a three-down guy, a guy that could play uh, in coverage and play coverage well. He's a six foot three, two 255-pound linebacker. That linebacker went 235, 240-pound guys that can fly are now more the norm playing that position like you see in college football. So, Mark, it's not too surprising to hear that about Bernardrick McKinney. Yeah, and I think with the Shaq Lawson thing, I don't know if I said it this way this morning, Johnny, but because they did a good job in bringing in a lot of good defensive linemen, yeah. that enabled them and maybe forced their hand to do what they did with Lawson, right. which is trade him to the Jets, right? right? If they didn't have these good acquisitions other than him, they wouldn't be able to do it. They would say, all right, well, let's just see what happens in the regular season. Maybe a light goes on or something, or it was just a free season thing or whatever. But look, everybody else is performing and outperforming him, who they intend to keep. So go ahead and make the deal. And he was one of the earlier acquisitions or transactions. He was acquired from the Dolphins, Bernardrick McKinney. We know the rest of the story. And they had to do that because they felt like they needed pass rush. They needed to fortify this 4-3. And they did it for all those reasons and some other ones I'm not mentioning probably. But this is how it works out, and we move on. Johnny, running back question that you had. Yeah. This is the kind of thing, the running back – who you keep, who you don't keep question. I bet that this is, I'm not going to say a heated debate, but it's a debate. It's a discussion. There are a lot of different, differing opinions here probably in the room. And, you know, age might factor in, money might factor in. But if you take those things and put them aside, you know, Andre said something interesting about Scotty Phillips being the kind of guy who you would think would be good no matter what the situation is. Ones against the ones, twos against the twos, that his ability will translate to ones against ones scenarios. That's an interesting point right there. Yeah. I want to get your feedback on that. And he's just, you know, he's the kind of guy who lit it up in the preseason, lit it up. I mean, he did well in the preseason. It's just, it's a tough cut, Johnny. I got so much of an opportunity here with these veterans Guys, I know I have a lot of tape on, proven track record, but it is running back, and we all know the half-life of a running back is what? Like a couple of years, basically. Yeah. So let's see how that, that goes. Yeah. I, I have gone back and, I've gone back and forth on this. With Mark Ingram, you know, every, with every guy at each position, it's like, okay, this, this is what I want to see from this particular guy. This is what I want to see. And, you know, it doesn't, you know, Terod Taylor, Davis Mill, you know, each guy in my mind, I've kind of come up with this. This is what I want to see. These are the things I know that they can do. This is the thing I'd, I'd like to be able to see with Mark being a 30 plus year old running back. I thought I want to see juice. Well, I think we've seen that. I think we've seen that he's still got some tread on the tires and I, I feel, I feel pretty good about that. I think Philip Phillip's the type of back I think needs maybe kind of work up, work into a lather a little bit. Um, and I think having LT back is <laughs> that that will definitely help that group. LT at LT is something that we absolutely need to have. Now the right side, uh, you know, Clinton Show were talking about it a little while ago uh, as I was driving, listening to them, and I think they hit on it. I think that right side needs to you know take it a step up a notch. I don't know how that's going to play out. They got a couple of weeks to figure out whether it's going to be 
you know, Max and Charlie or some other combination or somehow they're going to figure that out. But I feel like with Titus next to Laramie, next to Justin Britt, well, they can get some people moved off the ball. And that was the one thing the other night. But I think Phillips got to kind of get in a rhythm with those guys. Phillips is a good cutback runner. And I think Laramie being quick and strong on the backside of runs helps Phillip because Phillip can cut behind all that. But if, if Mark Ingram's 30-plus, you know, Rex Burkhead, I think, is 31. You dug David Johnson is not not – 30 yet but I think he's he's up there because he was drafted in 2015 so you know he's he's 28 29 so you're talking about if you keep four backs in the four that we talked a lot about Mark Ingram Phil Plinzi Rex Burkhead and David Johnson there isn't but you know Philip is under Philip's the only back under 28 29 now if you've got four guys back there does that matter I don't know. Mm. I, I don't. I don't know if that matters too much. If they're all sort of, kind of shucking and jiving all together, that one guy doesn't have to do the Derrick Henry thing. Uh, that's thirty. You know, the guys can kind of spread it around. They can keep their juice for eighteen weeks. But Scotty Phillips, at least being added to that mix, would keep you young, and would give you fresh legs. So, I just in in the point you made about Scotty, whether it's the ones or twos or whomever. The one thing that I've noticed, no matter what Scotty is running behind, the twos or the threes mainly, he's got an extra gear. He's got a, he's got a different gear. That one run he had off the right side the other night, Mark, I mean, hit the gas? Holy yeah. smokes. I mean, he saw a seam, and it was on. And he doesn't he doesn't pitter-patter. He's Because of the way he's built, he doesn't take a lot of direct shots. He hit that thing downhill, and I just remember as he's going through the hole, I'm like, whoo. I mean, it was kind of that, just that emphasis of him just hitting that hole and just taking off. And I, that was – that's what you might lose because I think if you put him on in the waiver you – you subject him to the waiver process, as Dre said, as we both talked about the other night at the game, I don't think you can – I don't think you can hide him anymore. Last year you could because there are no preseason games. But this year I don't know that you can because he's performed well enough in those preseason games um, that it's going to be very, very difficult uh, to keep him uh, out of the mix at all. All right, Mark, I want to hit one thing real fast. Not Well, kind of Texans related, but I want to make sure we hit this. Mm -hmm. San Francisco 49ers just put out a statement. Former Texans, and it's from former Texans linebacker coach Johnny Holland. Um, he is now a linebacker's coach in San Francisco for D'Amico Ryans, who's the defense coordinator there. And he said, uh, it's been an emotional few years for me and my family. In September of 2019, I was diagnosed with multiple melanoma, myeloma, myeloma, and have gone through several rounds of remission and relapse. Unfortunately, the cancer has returned, and beginning on September 6th, I will take some time away from the team to receive treatment. Mark, that's awful news. You knew Johnny uh, when he was with the team. I wasn't with the team yet. Uh, but that's awful news. Uh, but we know our thoughts go out to Johnny Holland for sure. Absolutely. I saw this and my heart sank. Johnny Holland is such a terrific guy. Really enjoyed seeing him around the building here, interviewing him. And it's just terrible. I mean, you think you have the thing beat and then it comes back and then you have to deal with it. And it's your career. It's, it, I mean, it's your life. And, and then your career also. Uh, you know, look, coaches live for this stuff, okay? They just want to be a part of it. They want to bathe in NFL football. But what's most important is your health, your family, and he's going to take care of that. So uh, let's wish him our best, and it is a terrible story, obviously. It is. Thoughts from everybody here in Houston going out to Johnny Holland. He's an Aggie. Um, I know a lot of people in the A&M community love him. People in Texas love him. So uh, thoughts and prayers out to Johnny Holland. All right, coming up. We mentioned Andre Ware. He will join us next right here on Texans All Access. Texans All Access continues in a moment. Teachers and parents, are you looking for an educational resource to keep your students engaged? The Houston Texans Toro and ConocoPhillips have partnered together to provide Toro's Math Drills. Toro's Math Drills is a free video series that will challenge your students to math topics like fractions, multiplication, division, and place value. 
all while having fun. Sign up today for free at HoustonTexans.com on the Kids School Program page and run your students through Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Go Texans! What does it mean to be the energy behind the Houston Texans? At Reliant, it means powering NRG Stadium and homes of Texans fans across our hometown and helping out when needed most. As an electricity provider, it's our commitment to every customer and their family, and it's as strong as our Texas roots. It's our promise today and for generations to come. Reliant, proud to be the official energy provider of the Houston Texans. PUCT number 10007. The Houston Texans and Amogee Bank have teamed up to present the Small Business Boost. Bel Air Shoe Hospital Shoe and Leather Repair takes pride in their work and in being a small family-owned business. The owners support community causes, such as local schools and the Texas Prater-Willie Association, and offers discounted repairs to all first responders and military veterans. For more info and to nominate your favorite business, visit HoustonTexans.com slash Business Boost. It's the Texans Small Business Boost, presented by Amogee Bank, a division of Zion's Bank Corporation, N.A., member FDIC. There's more to the ultimate driving machine than you might think. Multiple forces converging to create something uncontainable. Introducing the ultimate thrill of the bold BMW 4 Series, the ultimate innovation of the iconic 3 Series, and the ultimate peace of mind of the best-in-class 5 Series. BMW, the ultimate driving machine, and so much more. Take advantage of exceptional offers today. Visit HoustonBMWDealers.com for details. This is Texans Radio. This is Justin Reed. And this is picked off by Reed, and he's going to score. And you're listening to Texans Radio. Yes, you are. Thank you, kicker Justin Reed, and really good safety as well. I'm John Harris, your host, and we got a chance to catch up with Andre Ware, our game analyst. And he's also got a college game this weekend for the first time. I think it's Friday night. He's got a big one. We talked to him about that. But we wanted to talk about the Saturday night game first. Uh, first, morning. before we get into the 53 situation here, some of your thoughts on what you saw the other night. Too many turnovers, obviously. Some good things. Obviously, we like to see the defense get after it the way they did. Your thoughts overall? Yeah, just uh, some peaks and valleys where you had some really good things, I thought, in the pass rush, and you're you're starting to get that consistently from the same group of guys, which is good because you know that uh, you can rely on them once the regular season starts. And then, you know, the valleys, obviously, the turnovers, not taking care of the ball, being inside the five-yard line and not being able to to uh, to convert and, and and score that those were tough but uh, they'll, they'll grow from them. It's situations that you can't create in, in practice everybody's got a clean slate once you get down to the 53 man roster tomorrow and and everybody starts the season fresh Dre your thoughts you've played the position you know what goes into playing the position you've been a rookie in this league playing the position of quarterback Davis Mills after seeing him in training camp practices after seeing him three preseason games I don't know I think a total of 65 66 passes that we've seen him throw in preseason games what's your overall assessment of where he is right now based on where he was drafted not having played a ton at Stanford what do you think of Davis uh, and what do you think his future is going to be just based on what you've seen this training camp and preseason well, I like him from a standpoint of growth from, you know, when he first got to Houston and hadn't played a whole lot of football. And then all of a sudden, you know, he finds himself in a training camp for the first time in the NFL and then, you know, preseason games. And you thought until this past Saturday night, he was progressing along at a pace that, you, you know, raised some eyebrows. Like, wait a minute. I, it, and I think myself included uh, thought, well, there's an outside shot, you know, here that, you know, he progresses if he's doing this, that, you know, who knows who the day one starter is because of the way the reps were being dispersed. But turns out the coaching staff, it looks like, just wanted to get him playing. And this is his part of the season, the preseason for his development, so to speak. But uh, I think he's got a little ways to go. And uh, it, it showed me the other night when there should have just been some throwaways <clears throat> that you're throwing into coverage with not only one defender there, but a couple. And a couple of them obviously were intercepted. Then there's the good stuff where he's throwing the touchdown passes, showing some zip and some touch. 
those are the things that you like, but he's got to stay away from the mistakes to continue the growth uh, that he's on. And I think he's going to be just fine. Andre, Ware joining us on Texans Monday. Let's talk running backs here because this is going to be <laughs> interesting. You know, you have Philip Lindsay, you have Mark Ingram, who looked good the other night, by the way. And I know he's in the fraternity, and that's a good thing. And I heard Sean talking about this this morning with Baltimore losing J.K. Dobbins. Would the yeah. Texans maybe Ooh. entertain dealing Ingram? Dre, I want to ask you about that first before we talk about Scotty Phillips, who we saw a bunch of in this preseason. The way I feel about that suggestion is, look, maybe they end up doing it. I don't know. But Ingram, not only for his running ability, but the kind of guy he is on this particular team in their situation, I love him here. And I think that the his presence on the team is about more than just what he does between the lines. It's about having him around. So I don't know if it's worth doing that. Maybe they think otherwise. We'll see how it goes. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that was part of the reason because you're trying to build a culture uh, of guys that are passionate about the game and you want those types in the locker room. So I think certainly that went into signing Mark, but Mark's got a lot of football left. Uh, Johnny, correct me if I'm wrong. I know his last name is Edwards, but uh, is it George Edwards Gus. or Gus. Gus Edwards? Gus Edwards yeah, at, uh, at Baltimore. He is he is more than capable of uh, of taking the load, and that's I think that's why they allowed Mark to leave in free agency was because Gus had emerged so well for them. But now they're only down to one experience back uh, in, in Baltimore. So it makes a lot of sense. I know Mark's satisfied where he is. He's, he loves the city of Houston, loves the opportunity he's been given here, but you know, it's part of the business and he's been around now in his 11th year. He understands that if he were to be traded back to Baltimore, I'd hate to see him go personally. But uh, it, it obviously could happen. But he, he's got a lot of will on a lot of tread on those tires. But you don't know how this whole thing is going to shake out and how Tim Kelly's going to use this position. You guys think the defensive line, I think, is the toughest cut. I think this that room, the running back room, is going to be the toughest because of just the names there, the way these guys have competed and performed during the preseason. Scotty Phillips, even Buddy Howell having – a couple of big runs, David Johnson flashing at times, and then Rex Burkett. And, and I said during the broadcast the other night that I think it's a direct competition between Burkhead and Buddy Howell because both of them obviously can, can give you something in the running game, but they both play special teams as well. And so who knows which one of the two will be left standing once it's all said and done. But it is a very, very competitive situation in the running back room. Dre, you stole my thunder with the running backs because that was where I was going to go because I know that the three of us have talked on air and off air about Scotty Phillips and what Scotty has done. And there are two players to me, and we've the names have been mentioned in this segment, that I would hate to see them leave because, A, I do think there's something there. I think there's a future with them. Maybe not as a, a top player in the league, but I do think there's a future with them. And they've shown a ton in this tra- in training camp and preseason and one is Scotty Phillips, and the other is the receiver that you mentioned, and I had a chance to catch up with, whose story is absolutely amazing, and that's Jordan Vesey. And the catch he made the other night, he's done great things in three preseason games. Dre, could you make a case for him making the team? I do think practice squad would be an opportunity there for him, and I would love it for him to make the 53. With Scotty Phillips and Jordan Vesey, could you see a scenario where both make it, one of them make it, I think it's easy to say, well, they won't make it because there are veterans in front of them. But how do you see it playing out for those two guys in particular, Scotty Phillips and Jordan Vesey, two guys we have liked a lot? I just don't know uh, if I've seen anybody else flash enough to where Jordan Vesey doesn't make the team. You know, if you're just going by sheer competition, and sometimes coaches throw that word out a lot, but then contracts have – obviously a different effect on how the how the yeah. competition shakes itself out but uh, i could see a scenario where both make it because you sit here and look i look at a depth chart and i don't know that there's been anyone else that's outplayed jordan dc nico collins has played well Connolly's played well brandon cooks obviously and maybe kiki qt obviously in the slot that's about four and then anthony miller will be on this team that's fine how many do you keep would be the question and if there's six then I, I can see him 
uh, obviously making the team. And I would imagine that they're going to keep at, at least that many. But Scotty Phillips won't be around if you try to hide him on the practice roster. That we, we talked about that during the game the other night. He Somebody's going to pick him up because of the way that he performed, uh, obviously, not just last uh, or Saturday night, but all preseason. And so he's – He's come to practice. He's put the work in. I know Danny Barrett loves this room because it's a room for the, full of veteran players. Everybody's got some experience of some sort. And uh, and he just – I remember in Green Bay him telling me, I can't wait to see what, what Scotty does because of the kind of camp that he had. He mentioned his name in particular. Well, he's satisfied in, every, in, in Green Bay, in Dallas, and obviously uh, Saturday night against Tampa Bay. Mm, so many tough decisions. Hey, Jacksonville, week one opponent, and Trevor Lawrence looked pretty good yesterday against whatever he was facing that the Dallas Cowboys put out there. How's it going to go, Dre? Lawrence on that team, Urban Meyer coaching. You got NFL coordinator experience there. The college coach, that communication, rookie quarterback. The roster is not excellent, but they do have some talent. What do you think? I think it's going to be a mix of exactly what Bill O'Brien gave Deshaun Watson in his rookie year. There's going to be a mix of what Urban likes to do from the college game that Trevor is is uh, is comfortable doing because he's a tremendous runner and he's a, a great athlete even at even for a guy his size of six six. So I think there's going to be a mix of that and then the mix of Schottenheimer stuff. Uh, you know, mixed with a bunch of pro stuff in there. So, uh, and it was a good mix for Deshaun his rookie year. So that's what I look for Jacksonville to kind of do, make you play 11 on 11, or at least get you thinking about it with the threat of Trevor Lawrence running the football. And then they've got some capable weapons around him. They've got an, an average, I would say, offensive line to protect him with. And he won't keep the ball very long. It's going to be get back if it's five steps, then it's coming out. Three steps, a quick game, a lot of that, just to build his confidence, especially early in the season, especially in the opener against the Texans. So, Dre, let's flip the script then. Let's look at Lovey Smith's side of this. You're taking on a quarterback that you haven't seen, a different type of quarterback, a guy obviously you know he can run, you know what uh, he's done from his days at Clemson. If you're Lovey Smith, how do you go about facing – Trevor Lawrence, do you heat him up early? Do you try and sit back and play zones and make him try and fit into small areas? How do you, if you're Lovey Smith, how do you go about facing Trevor Lawrence? I think if, you know, obviously it's a rookie quarterback playing and making his first NFL start. I mean, real regular season start. There are going to be some butterflies there. So you know that. And I think you take advantage of that. And you have to bring some pressure early and get in his face and hope that you know, at some point as again, you're not going to live there all game long for 60 minutes, but um, well, maybe if that's the case and you're effective doing it, you do it, but, uh, and it helps you win the football game. But I think at some point, you know, he'll complete a few and you'll get out of that, but especially early when you can really turn the game in your favor, uh, a bunch of three and outs to give your offense a chance to go down and, and maybe put some points on the board, get you a lead early in the game that you would pressure a young kid like that. But, Trevor's seen a lot of football now. He recognizes blitz. Uh, watching that yep. game, he, he can protect himself by redirecting protections at the line of scrimmage, uh, coverages. He, there's nothing you're going to show him that he hasn't seen and knows the weaknesses of where to get the football and how to hurt that coverage. So it's it's definitely early in the ball game, getting in his face. What is it like this week for these teams without that fourth game? I know that this week <laughs> was about – getting ready for the opener for a lot of the vets and guys who weren't going to play in that fourth game. But the staff still had to operate. You still have to get ready for a game on Thursday night, short week, and go out there with a product and perform. So now you don't have that, Andre. Did, did that fourth game kind of resemble what you described in college as the game with the guys who don't end up playing in the game when you have the huge numbers on the roster and you end up playing that, what is it, on Monday or something? You play yeah. this sort of Oboe. fake bowl Oper game? I Oboe, Opportunity Bowl. All right. Exactly so the Opportunity Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, yeah, I mean, you, you wanted to play a, a certain amount of percentages so you wouldn't have to go through that because Oboe was as grueling as as uh, any game that you would play in because, you know, you don't have officials, cheap shots are taken, guys are trying to impress 
the coaches and so on and so forth. So it's it, it oboe was rough, man. But that you're, you're right in regards to I think it, what it does is it takes an opportunity away from a young player where um, they're trying to make the team. They're trying to you need every opportunity that you can to make the team. But it's it's one less opportunity to to impress. And so with that being said, you know, this is it for some of them. Some of them, their NFL careers are over. Whereas if you just had maybe the one more game uh, and you're on the fence to, to show a coach, hey, I, I need this this push. This game pushes me over the top, so to speak. It's just unfortunate. That's why I wasn't a real big fan of the three game preseason for that reason alone. Well, I just think that this is the kind of game that Mills could use, right? Mills could play yes, three absolutely. quarters again and, and get more reps, and I know it's not going to be against ones, but he just needs to play football. I still think Nico Collins needs to play some football. I know that yes. he's going to factor into this receiver equation for sure, but he clearly needs to play a little football after missing last year, and he looks real good at times, but – Reps are needed. Look, it is what it is. They're all going to have to make the best of it. I think every roster in the league right now, every city in the league right now can say what we're saying about certain members on their team. Maybe not Tampa Bay yeah, I mean, because, oh, my look, gosh, look they're at, loaded. Look at Ross Blacklock on the defensive line. Could he use another preseason game and some more mm-hmm. experience? And then, you know, you look at Charlie Heck at at, uh, at tackle. Could he use one more preseason game of – of, uh, to, to gain some more experience and confidence going into the regular season? Absolutely. And those are, you know, those are players from last year's class that didn't obviously didn't have the training camp and didn't have the preseason. So uh, that's just where you grow is in the preseason, and it's one less opportunity for, for players uh, of that such. Dre, I'm glad you brought up Charlie Heck. He had two consecutive blocks pulling around on a little tackle wrap dart play and blasted a linebacker. You know, Mark Ingram had a couple of nice runs running behind big number 67, Charlie Heck. I mean, if there's a guy that's improved more than Heck on this roster, I'm not totally sure who it is if it's not Scotty Phillips or Jordan Vesey. I mean, Charlie Heck has come a long, long way. Dre, I want to talk about the Colts real fast. And I have a feeling I know what the answer is going to be. But there just gets to be kind of a vibe around a team it's weird things happen. They've got two foot injuries of very key players. Then one of those key players, probably the best player they have, he has COVID. And then a receiver gets hurt they've relied on for a long time. You know, Frank Reich had COVID at the beginning of this whole thing. And you, I don't want to say a team's cursed or anything, but you just have a lot of bad vibes going on. And you think, man, uh, is this the way this thing's going to be? They lost their left tackle, Sam Tevy, uh, to a knee injury. Eric Fisher... Um, is not going to be ready until later September, October. Do you buy into, at any point, kind of bad vibes to start a season and the impact it can have on a team? Or is this just, eh, it's preseason, let it go, they'll be fine when the season gets here? Oh, no, I, I, <clears throat> I've lived that on a team in Detroit, uh, the Mike Utley situation <clears throat> and how it affected oh, yeah. our football team. Eric Andelsack, who was mowing his yard in Louisiana, and was, yes. was, uh, was struck by a truck and killed. Uh, uh, I guess that was maybe my second year in Detroit. And then uh, the loss of uh, John Fonts, uh, Wayne's, Wayne's brother. And it was just one domino after the other. And certainly it affects a team where it just kind of, there's a cloud that hangs over you. You never really get past that stuff. You're always, you're constantly thinking about it every time you walk by a guy's locker or a coach's office. Yeah, I mean, those those are very true things that affect the football team. I mean, they're humans, and you get close to these individuals, and, and those things uh, really, really can affect a, a, a long 16-game schedule. Absolutely. Andre, what's wrong with Nebraska? Yeah, I just went there. <laughs> we go from that to I know to, they to ain't Nebraska. got no players. They yeah, got no players. That, that, that's, that's, what that's part of it right there. It's, it's hard to recruit to Nebraska now. And, we, you know, I told you guys this the other day that there are certain programs that we once looked upon and from a tradition standpoint and, oh, my God, this, that, they're not coming back. And mm. this is one this is one of them. And I truly believe that I had a producer uh, that was a Nebraska grad when they hired Scott Frost. He was over the moon and, oh, my God, we're going to turn it around. And I'm just shaking my head. And I'm like, kids aren't going to Lincoln, Nebraska these days. They're going to Florida where, where it's sunny all year round. 
I mean, Lincoln, Nebraska gets cold. How are you going to convince a kid in today's college football world to leave Texas or to leave uh, California to go to Nebraska? Nebraska is one of the first programs to recruit nationwide. Tom Osborne did a hell of a job in his time there, convincing kids like Mark, Mike Rozier, Turner Gill from, the, from uh, New Jersey to go across the country to Lincoln, Nebraska. But they're not doing it anymore. It's not happening. And so, uh, uh, and if it, if it is, it's a kid that's leaving that state that's a lesser kid than obviously Tom Osborne was recruiting back in the day. But there are certain programs across the country that they're, they're just not returning. Well, mm, think that, about it this way. You, you just mentioned it, Dre. The greatest quarterback in Nebraska history is Tommy Frazier. Well, he mm-hmm. came from Bradenton, Florida. Bradenton, yep. Florida, playing his style, he is never – getting out of the state of Florida. But at the time, you had to go to Nebraska because, you know, Charlie Ward was at Florida State playing their fast break offense, throwing all over the place. Florida was fun and gun. and think Tommy could throw it all that well. So he goes to Nebraska. That is, yeah. that's not happening these days. And, and I just don't, I don't still know where Nebraska's recruiting base is. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's, that's a big one. But a team that has recruited well is a team that you're going to see uh, this week. And that's the University of North Carolina and quarterback Sam Howell. Dre, I don't know if you had a chance to see him, but he's a name I know a lot of people around Houston are curious about, depending on the quarterback situation, all that. But Sam Howell going into his third year as a starter, very skilled guy. Um, As you've gotten ready for North Carolina, have you had a chance to watch him, and what do you think of him? Absolutely, and he's a a passing machine. Now, I didn't say throwing machine. I said passing machine because there's a difference between a thrower and a passer. Yes. This guy passes the football. He's got touch. He's got zip. He's got mobility where he can throw on the move. Um, I, I think he's the best quarterback in, in coming out this year. I absolutely do. I think he's the best passer in, in college football. And we are going to get that update from Dre when he gets back. That game is Friday night. Virginia Tech, North Carolina should be a fun ball game. And Sam Howell is obviously someone that uh, people around here are going to watch throughout this year. Okay, we got one final segment a Super Bowl hero is considering retirement, and it looks like the Texans have made one other move. We'll talk about that and what's going on around the league next right here at Texans All Access. If you love podcasts and you love the Texans, you'll love our Texans podcasts. Now available on iTunes and HoustonTexans.com. The Houston Texans Star of Courage Award presented by Apache recognizes a first responder who has demonstrated excellence in leadership, bravery, and a commitment to Houston. Over the last year, the Texans and Apache have recognized one first responder each month for their service to our community. Each winner receives a custom game ball, recognition on HoustonTexans.com, Texans social media, and Texans radio. Learn more and nominate a first responder today at HoustonTexans.com slash Star of Courage. Welcome to Louisiana's largest casino resort. Come to Cachata Casino Resort and play the largest gaming floor in the Lake Charles area with thousands of the newest, most exciting slots, over 65 table games, live poker and off-track betting, plus beautiful hotels, award-winning cuisine, and the number one rated golf course in Louisiana. Experience good old Louisiana hospitality Cachata style at Cachata Casino Resort, Louisiana's best bet. To a child, time spent outside is never a waste. Play is a job and a serious one at that, and each day is a new opportunity for adventure. At Texas Children's Hospital, we're all about happy, healthy kids. And as the official children's hospital of the Houston Texans and local sponsor of Play 60, we join our hometown team in hoping that in your house, play never goes out of style. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. 
final roster cuts are due tomorrow at 3. We'll let you know who's on the way out. There are going to be some tough cuts. And who the Texans could bring in. One thing I'm interested in, how many Patriots Nick Casario will go after. Expect major moves on the Texans roster over the next few days. And we'll tell you about them as they happen. Insider Access. Exclusive content. Sports Radio 610. The Texans play here. This is Texans Radio. In America, the future belongs to everyone. So we built the trucks of the future for everyone. Ford F-Series, America's best-selling trucks for 44 years straight. Built for performance and capability on and off-road. Because the trucks of the future aren't built for a few. They're built for America. Ford F-Series, drive one today based on 1977 to 2020 calendar year total sales. Back to the show that keeps you up to date on the Houston Texans. Texans All Access. Yep, yep. Happy Monday, everybody. Luckily for me, it's almost over. That said, I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And let's go around the league. A few things happening. Uh, we'll get to our Texans news in just a second. But this one caught my eye as uh, we were going to break. Breaking news is from well, – that's for a few people. But Mike Garofalo looks like he's the first one uh, to post this. Breaking news from the Arizona Cardinals. And, no, it's not any of our former friends. But it is a former foe and a guy that we saw a lot. And he's a Super Bowl hero. Malcolm Butler, who signed with the Cardinals this offseason – is dealing with a personal situation that has him mulling retirement, Garofalo says sources tell him. So, Malcolm Butler considering retirement. Now, I will readily admit I thought Butler in the last couple years, I thought Butler going to the Titans, I thought he was bad every single year. I thought when he signed with the Cardinals after, he did have 100 tackles, but he had 100 tackles because everybody threw at him. And he signed with the Cardinals, and it was like, man, if you could have taken the team from 2016 with Watt and uh, Malcolm Butler and A.J. Green, well, the Cardinals would be going to the Super Bowl. They would have won this offseason. But Malcolm Butler apparently considering retirement. Hmm, Interesting to see uh, how that will go. We mentioned earlier the Dolphins have released linebacker Benardrick McKinney. So over the last few days, the Texans got something for Shaq Lawson, who they traded for Bernardrick McKinney. Dolphins didn't get anything for Bernardrick. I'm not totally surprised by that. I mentioned it earlier as Mark and I were talking. Mark uh, broke that news as we were talking about Bernardrick McKinney. As much as I love BMAC, right now, the best thing that probably BMAC could do is somehow convert himself to a 4-3 defensive end or a 3-4 outside linebacker. He always had that in his bag. He had that club in his bag. It wasn't the it wasn't his best club, but he had that club in his bag. And he probably needs to show somehow that he can do that because playing against a linebacker is just not going to happen at 255 pounds and doesn't have the ability to run quite like he used to. Uh, and he definitely was never a cover guy. And you know, back in 2015, you needed to have thumpers. You know, you, you had Cush and you had BMAC. You had you know guys. Uh, that could thump. You don't need to. You don't need that as much anymore. You need six two, six three, two forty that can run. I'm just watching Devin Lloyd from the University of Utah, inside linebacker, six three, two thirty five, and can fly. And I'm like, I'll take that because that's the kind of guy that's going to be cover, be able to cover in space, uh, run with you know, th- you know, be the three runner up the field in Tampa too. You know, all these different things. Uh, Bernardic was not going to was not going to do that. So in the end, you probably were going to either release Bernardic McKinney. And really get nothing back for it, but you end up trading for Shaq Lawson. You get a look see. You don't like it. You trade and you get a six because an edge rusher is that much more valuable uh, than an inside linebacker and a thicker inside linebacker. So Bernard McKinney waved. We'll see or released. Excuse me. And there is nomenclature there. Releasing different than waving. He could sign with any team at any point. So we'll see what happens with Bernard McKinney. Wish him luck. Always loved Lambo Mac. He was always such a fun dude to have around. One. Uh, one item here in – well, actually, just saw another one. The Texans' two offensive linemen are being one waived, one released. 
The veteran Danny Isadora is being cut, according to a league source. And Carson Green, the Aggie. I wasn't too surprised by this, but I do think that practice squad is in his future. The Aggie Carson Green, according to a league source, is being cut. My gut tells me that James Campbell would like to bring him back. and You would like to have a young guy try and get him on practice squad. Look, if he gets picked up, he gets picked up. But I'd imagine he'll get through waivers and hopefully we'll be able to get back Carson Green. But he has been cut. Those are the last two that I have seen from the Texans. And you know a boatload of them. Well, they have to. By 3 o'clock tomorrow, got to get to 53. And then the waiver claims happen and then things get nutty. Oh, boy, they get nutty. Big thanks to Mark for you guys tuning in, thank you. Andre Ware, uh, all you guys for listening. Jimmy Mudd, who does a great job. Glad to see him back and hanging with us every single night from 6 to 7. You all the best. We'll see you all tomorrow. It all goes down. We'll get to a 53-man roster somehow, some way tomorrow. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, go Texans. Can't get enough Texans radio? We've got shows. We've got podcasts. We've got interviews. It's all on HoustonTexans.com. What if your preferred hospital could also be your primary care provider? At Houston Methodist, we go beyond hospital care, offering you everything from flu shots to well-woman exams to managing your weight and cholesterol. And our primary care doctors and specialists are connected all across the city. So whatever the need, wherever you live, we can be there for you. Visit HoustonMethodist.org to find the care you need at locations throughout Houston. Houston Methodist, leading medicine. What do you call a group of friends who spend every Sunday huddled around the TV for hours, wearing horns on their heads and blue and red paint on their faces, jumping with a Miller Lite in one hand and a hot barbecue short rib in the other, while proudly chanting, we are Texans. You call it Miller time in Houston. Here's to the Texans. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Super Bowl 56 is heading to SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. And On Location can make your whole weekend unforgettable. With On Location, you can enjoy pre-game parties. Choose from an incredible selection of game time seats. And get unmatched access throughout it all. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL. And the only way to experience the ultimate Super Bowl. Visit NFLOnLocation.com slash Super Bowl for more information. That's NFLOnLocation.com slash Super Bowl. At Whataburger, how do you make something that's already fresh even fresher? By adding fresh new things, like crisp pico de gallo for a little kick and creamy cilantro lime sauce for that extra whoa and pepper jack cheese because, of course, all on top of two fresh beef patties or with chicken on a brioche bun. Whataburger's limited-time pico de gallo burger and new pico de gallo chicken sandwiches. Good thing for fresh things. Good thing there's Whataburger. When it comes to buying a home, look to the experts at TDECU. We're made for this market with quick pre-qualifications so you can make a competitive offer fast. We have unique options for you like no money down or up to 103% financing. TDECU Mortgage is here for you. If you can't find the home that's right for you, build it with a great construction loan. You've got this. TDECU Mortgage. We make home happen. Visit TDECU.org for details. Equal housing lender equal housing lender.